Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. This is take two of Mind Your Banners for August 30th, 2022. Um, he is Dustin DePirac, IU Insider, Bloomington Herald Times. You don't need to know why this is take two other than just to understand that I'm not very technologically smart sometimes. Um, we are, uh, I don't know, Dustin, like 90, 103 hours away from kickoff, something like that at this point. Um, and... You know, listen, some of this is, is this this mystery and subterfuge that IU keeps promoting. Some of it is just the natural sort of conclusion of fall camp. Everything else we're going to learn about this team, we have to learn on Saturdays, or in this case, obviously, Friday. There's, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've kind of put a lot of what we would have gotten out of camp, even irrespective of this, you know, the, the secrecy around the quarterback battle behind us at this point yeah pretty much I mean I think we've we've got to see a a, you know a decent bit I mean obviously college ball in general is not like the NFL where it's um you know the training camp is a show in and of itself and everything is open and it's it's for fans to come see um you know in in, we've gotten to see some camp uh I think certainly more than two years ago obviously um and have some sense of where things are in terms of who's actually going to play and whatnot. Um, but we don't really know, and we also just don't know how good this team is. Uh, that, that's kind of, a, to, to your point, in terms of what questions are going to be answered on Fridays and Saturdays, um, you know, we have a sense of how they look next to each other. We have a sense of how they look against air, um, but we don't know what it's going to be look like when they go up against, we don't know what Indiana's defense is going to look like against Illinois' offensive line and chasing Chase Brown and, um, you know, those kinds of things. We have seen how these position groups you've seen have been rebuilt we have some sense of uh what the new guys look like and what the coaches like about them and what the, t- the our teammates had to say about them um but we just we we again just don't know how that translates into fridays and saturdays and obviously that's what we're going to start finding out uh right about now with uh you know starting eight o'clock on friday against illinois i don't want to belabor the quarterback thing too much um we have um talked about it a lot on these podcasts we've written about it a lot um i think the one thing that it is fair to say is we have seen a decent amount between us at least a few hours of of practices and and situations including some um you know some sort of scrimmage like situations i don't know 11 on 11 ish yeah yeah Yeah. i mean like everybody's wearing pads and they're running plays against each other whatever Mm. the ultimate purpose of, of that period of practice is we have not been able to separate Bayslack and Tuttle. Bayslack and Tuttle. Um, I think it's. I think it's Bayslack. Bayslack. Yeah, it's just it's two, two syllables. Two syllables. Bayslack. Mm. Um, so I mean, and, and when I say we have not, like I, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I have not seen enough to be like he is clearly better than him. Right now, uh, you know, you can talk about. I think Bayslack's probably more mobile. Um, obviously, bit. he's got not necessarily in Indiana, but a a deeper resume. Mm. Um, and there's just sort of the general assumption that you don't transfer from Missouri to Indiana to not win the starting job. Um, but having said all that, you know, it, it, it really does feel like those two have kind of battled each other to a standstill and whatever the decision is. And again, Tom Allen has said he's made it. Yeah. Um, he's just not going to share it with us. Mm. Um, I don't, I have not been able to discern like, well, it's clearly him because he's just so much better than. Yeah. No, no, I, I think, you know, having um, watched what we have, read some tea leaves, um, I, I think that there are, 
there's obviously sort of, I think, a counterbalance uh, in, in Tom Allen's mind that he obviously would have had to work out to get to this point um, where he made a decision. I mean, I think, uh, you know, just a few things that he mentioned about each guy whenever we asked about him, what, what he liked about each, um, I think sort of check out from what we've seen, from what we know, from what we can tell even by statistics. Um, and, and so, you know, obviously his three things were... Um, uh, you know, running the offense, you know, just basically just having comfort, having a comfort understanding of, of again, what, what is the new offense for both of them with the new offensive coordinator in Walt Bell. Uh, you know, Jack Tuttle doesn't get really much of a bonus there. Um, uh, not turning the ball over and having the confidence of his, of his teammates, basically just just knowing that those guys are going to look up to him, uh, whoever whichever quarterback that is, you know. I, and I think one thing that Allen mentioned was Bazelak just throws a very catchable ball, and I think you can see that. Um, you know, I, I think just you know anecdotally, um, without you know a lot of data, you know, he obviously backed up a lot of data and just said there's a difference in in uh, completion percentage, and there is in in their careers. Obviously, there's very different sample sizes, uh, but Bazelak I think is committed or completed somewhere in the range of 65, 60 six percent of his passes Tuttle's been about 55 56 percent of his um but Bazelak has also turned the ball over more um it was a significant issue is has thrown 17 interception in his career and that's obviously a, a big reason why uh he left Missouri because he was no longer the starter he did not uh you know he lost the job right before the armed forces bull last season um personality wise it seems like they both command respect of uh, the team in different ways. You know, I think Tuttle has obviously gone out of his way to be a leader this offseason, you know, starting with, uh, you know, he was the guy who designed the, the PowerPoint that we've mentioned uh, several times and written about um, that uh, was delivered right at the beginning of camp. Um, but Basilak seems to have his own sort of quiet confidence to him and the guys seem to look up to him and respect him too. You know, they're, they're about, you know, Basilak seems maybe a little bit more mobile, but seems to have a little bit more of a running back body, a little bit more bulk to him, but Tuttle's lost a lot of weight. Um, a significant amount of weight to kind of trim up this offseason. So it's just, I, I could see just about everything evening up on every side of the ledger where you see one advantage, you also see a disadvantage, and maybe the other guy having something. So, um, yeah, I, I can imagine it was a very difficult call, whoever uh, he ultimately did go with. <clears throat> the one thing I will say is if we take Tom Allen and his word, and, you know, listen, I, I think these these – I think this stuff's very silly, you know, this whole... And, and Tom Allen is hardly alone. I think our friend Brody Miller tweeted yes. that uh, he, he counts five different programs, including, I think, his own, mm-hmm. or, the well, the one he covers, LSU, that, that will not name a starting quarterback before their yeah. first offensive series in week one. Um, whatever anyone's personal opinions on that approach, the one thing is if you take Tom Allen at his word, he has been able to follow his timeline. Yeah. And that's something that in the past... You know, sometimes it, it, you know, I can remember when Indiana was kind of having a long look in at Peyton Ramsey with Rich Lego back, and, and there was a lot of Rich as the starter. He has to be, you know, sort of unseated, but like clearly they were intrigued by Ramsey. And then there was the Ramsey Michael Penix battle in 2019 that kind of seemed to spin on maybe a little bit longer than they would have wanted, it, again, at least publicly. Based on what Tom Allen has said, if you take his words at face value, he has followed the timeline he set out. Of mm-hmm. we're gonna wa- we're gonna watch them all spring. We're gonna leave it open through the summer. We're gonna do two preseason scrimmages, and those were close to the media. Um, and then we're gonna make a decision after the second one. Yeah, and that's what he said he did. And I believe. I mean, and, and I guess it's Tom it, Allen. It, if you're looking for at least hints at kind of the process, yeah, then it feels like Indiana is at least secure in the decision that they've made. I think. I mean, and and I think over time, and obviously I haven't been covering covering as long as you have. But it seems to me that he is um, – that Tom Allen is at least honest about his obfuscation. 
uh, I, I think Tom Allen is a pretty honest guy generally. I, I don't think I can't think of a time that Tom Allen has lied to us. I think generally um, when he has tried to obfuscate a situation or tried to keep something quiet or, or just hasn't wanted to answer uh, a question, um, he's generally just said so. Um, or just said, yeah, you know, we, we asked him about injuries yesterday. Is anybody not going to play? And he said, you know, we're not going to have everybody. But, you know, he didn't say anything about anybody being out. You know, he didn't. He has not mentioned injuries all camp. Um, he hasn't. Uh, he, he's just. But when he does that, when he's his, when he's basically deciding, I'm not going to tell you. He's pretty honest about that, so I believe him. Like I, I don't, I don't think he's lying to tell us that things are further along than they are. Um, he's generally pretty good at saying, "Listen, this is a thing I just don't want you to know," and like I'm not, you know, I just, I, I you know, just straight up, I'm not making that public today, and you know, has, has been pretty real about that. So if he's telling you something, it's it's very rarely misdirection. He might not tell you something. If, if, he's, if he's trying to keep it quiet, he's just going to keep it quiet and say so. Um, and he obviously does that a lot. But he rarely just lies. I don't think he makes stuff up. Um, and, and that's not the truth for every coach, even when it comes to just dealing with the media. Um, Allen's pretty that, – that seems to be kind of a core thing for him. Is like, you know, if, if I don't want you to know, I'm just going to tell you I don't want you to know. I think um – the other sort of fascinating, and, and I don't want to do too much. Like I've, we've done so much just position by position between stories, sure. podcasts, radio mm-hmm. appearances, whatever. Um, the other fascinating dynamic to me is is Allen taking the defense over again because sure. ultimately, um, you know, that is what is always going to underpin a successful Tom Allen program. Right, is a good defense, an aggressive defense, a playmaking defense, a defense that can live on the edge and take chances. Because it, and and be good enough to basically pay, pay you know cash in enough of those chances yeah whether that's sacks it's fumbles it's turnovers it's it's third down stops um you know by blitzing or something um you know to have a successful season obviously Tom Allen you know the one area where he has not misdirected at all is in fact if anything I think he's gotten more and more honest as time has gone on mm-hmm. possibly because we've asked him about it more and he's gotten more comfortable with it possibly right. because he's gotten his his hands back on the defense more and more and been like, right. yes, this was not what I wanted. Right. Very honest about how Indi- what Indiana was doing last season defensively was just not rep- was not what he envisions for that unit. He's taking play calling over again. This is a guy that said in 2019 it had got to be too much. He was sleeping in his office. He was working too long. He wasn't, you know, he was he was too tired through the week, and that meant he wasn't at his best on game day. He was, you know, he didn't say neglecting, but you know, he's struggling to balance being defensive coordinator with being head coach. Right, and that's why he wanted to step away. Mm-hmm. Now he's coming back. And there have been a lot of people who have said, "Well, that's not a good sign." There are plenty of head coaches that call plays. Sure, Ryan Day calls plays. Right. You know, um, and, and Ohio State's doing just fine. Um, but it is kind of, you know, all the elements of that move, because as much as we want to talk about quarterback play and quarterback, yes, is the, is the single most important position in football. Again, I come back to the original point. Tom Allen, good Tom Allen teams need to be good on defense. Maybe not elite, but good, solid, reliable, dangerous. Right. Last year's wasn't. Right. It was it was sturdy enough 
for a decent part of the season before it started to buckle under the weight of injuries and pressure and disappointment and failure. Mm. But it did not create turnovers. It did not get sacks. It was not the it was not the Tom Allen team that again took some chances and paid them off right. and made big plays that turned games. Um all the elements of that decision, him taking that back when previously he said it was too much for him, whether mm. maybe he feels like he's grown back into it a little bit, whether this is just a, a short-term move to get Chad Wilt really kind of settled in. Wilt's role, Wilt has said he's going to be on the sidelines, so he's basically going to be the guy relaying a lot of the mm. you know, drive-to-drive, drive, directly relaying the adjustments and things like that. You know, is, is this a long-term move toward moving Chad Wilt into that role the way he did Kane Womack, or is this something completely different. How does that defense respond? Because that defense is where he still got a lot of his playmakers. Yeah. You know, Cam Jones, Demarcus Elliott, basically his entire secondary. And then also that defense is too, where frankly, as good as the, the front line is, you need to see some development. You need to see some second and third team guys that you say, okay, next year or the year after that, when all these players are gone, he's the man. Right. Uh, because that is a defense that has held on to one generation of you know, one kind of, you class, know, not class ish, but like basically a couple classes, right? You know, has, has held on to yeah one or two core recruiting cycles to build its heart for a long time now, right? Um, my point in this is kind of rambling, but or, or I am rambling away from my point. I will get back to it. That's the other fascinating dynamic for me this season mm. is Indiana back to looking like that kind of defense because right. if they are, then in fairness to anyone who's skeptical of Indiana this season, and I think we both are, you know, to different degrees, that does lengthen the leash considerably for right. Walt Bell, for whoever his quarterback is, and for this, 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 you know, massively rotating sort of cadre of receivers and backs and tight ends. Yeah. No, I mean, it was really what I, I um, did a piece on just the, the, kind of on that, on, on the lack of havoc and wrote about that, um, you know, for today. And I, I had to go back and sort of listen his, to some of his quotes from earlier in camp about how he was theorizing that and, and, and you know, also some things he said about the idea of, of getting back to um, calling the plays. And I, I, it's, it's just driven by so much by that desire. It just feels like the, the defense that he saw last year was did not play the style that he wanted to. And, I mean, I think they had um, 17 interceptions in 2020. They had five last season they had 17 interceptions in eight games in 2020 and yeah. five in 12 last year uh, i mean just that's a dramatic humongous drop off i mean sacks i think they had um 25 in um in 2020 versus 17 last year again his best teams have been at or near the top of the turnover charts and the sack charts and it's worth yeah. saying it's never been because of one guy. It's right. never been because there was one corner that had 10 picks. Yeah. He's literally never had a double-digit. Indiana, this is a, this stat blows my mind, but Indiana has not had a double-digit sack producer in a single season since Jamie Curlew well, in 2008. Yeah. Um, I was so much thinner then. <laughs> um, but it, it the point is that that's, it's the system. Mm, like th yeah. Those numbers should tell you, I think, yes. that it's the system. Right. And so when the numbers go down, mm -hmm. I don't – I think – your point is reasonable and it, like the, it's fair to take Tom Allen and his word to be like, yeah, the system was failing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I mean, a big part of it is it, it, it was personnel was also a big point, but I mean, I you know we asked 
I remember asking Carlton Warren about this, and I think maybe he gave away too much, but said, you know, this basically in 2020, Indiana had played a lot of zone vision, and, and he had uh, used a lot more man-to-man. He just, I guess, just trusted it more, thought that, that it was better equipped to take away big plays uh, and get rid of explosions. But it's just like there is kind of a, you know, um, risk-reward there. And Tom Allen, obviously, has is, is decided that he'd rather be on the other side of that, that he's more willing to, you know, risk the occasional big play, risk, risk uh, you know, somebody finding a hole in his zone and turning it into a big play uh, to keep everybody's eyes on the football and give them an opportunity to make a play and drive and, and get after the ball and, and try to pick it off and, um, you know, create uh, tide turning plays. And again, put, put Walt Bell in a good position where he's, he's dealing with a shorter, uh, shorter field. I mean, that's certainly what helped um, 2020 team a lot. I mean, 2020 team was, was, pretty good on offense but did not have a, a great running game but but frequently set itself up uh in good to great field position you know turned uh, interceptions into touchdowns whether it was immediately on that play or shortly thereafter um and he's just sort of aware that he needs that and just he has to just sort of rephrase just just reframe um the direction of the defense and he needs to take control of it now you, to go back to what you said about about chad wilton what he's doing with him and i think you know that was one of the core themes of the feature that i wrote on chad was my god he's just so much like tom i mean it's unbelievable it's 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 almost creepy like if you didn't if you didn't see thomas and know that that's definitely tom allen's child like unmistakably you'd wonder if Chad is at least his nephew or something because they just they have they don't look that much alike but man they just act alike um they're just the the kind of energy the the speed with which they talk um and the sort of things they say is just it's remarkable um and so I think Alan managed to find a guy that he can groom in this job that is okay with you know, taking a position like this where he is not calling plays, which just sort of requires some level of humility to say, okay, I'm going to be a coordinator, but that's like, there, there's a step in between still me and head coach, basically, that, that, that I'm not going to call the plays. So you're not going to be deemed this defensive genius in a couple of years and, and, and go get yourself a head coaching job. You know, you're going to have to wait your turn, sort of sit around and, and wait until Tom's ready, I guess, to pass it along to you or just make the most of it and go to be a coordinator someplace else. Um, but he, he has bought into this idea and it seems like he is going to get um, exactly, Tom Allen is going to get exactly what he wants from this position from Chad Will. Is somebody who's going to organize the defense, somebody who's going to spend, going to take a lot of the time when it comes to film watching and all that kind of deal. Um, that's going to just again create a situation where um you know basically like tom doesn't have to put the same amount of time that he did last time he was coordinator but he still sort of has his uh you know hands on the steering wheel and i think that's something that he really felt like he needed back yeah i think and and here's where if you want to sort of marry like what we can see and you know touch and describe with the the the, the wider <clears throat> the wider point, if you look at, uh, you know, Havoc rate in particular, you look at Bill Connolly's numbers, some of the football outsider stuff, a lot of that has come from the defensive backfield. Now, I think that's yep. partly how the scheme is built, and it's also worth saying that that was with Micah McFadden mm-hmm. doing a lot of heavy lifting in the middle of your defense. Yes. Um, so you can't just – this isn't just going to be a case of running back. Yeah. But 
it does feel like Indiana's maybe owed just a little bit of luck with injuries after right. last season, particularly yeah. in the defensive backfield. Yes, certainly. And I think if you're looking for some, I guess, encouragement, for lack of a better term, if, if you if you want to know, like, should I be optimistic or not? Right. Tom Allen's best defenses have always had good secondaries in right. Indiana. And that goes back to when he had, um, you know, Richard Fant and Jonathan Crawford and, right. you know, all those guys that were – on the 2015 IU football team, the 2015 defense that could not stop like anybody, my right. high school, and right. then and then in 12 months went from literally like in the 120s nationally mm. in yards per game allowed and points per game allowed to a top half defense in the Big Ten, and right. and the reason why a Indiana got to the Foster Farms Bowl and b Tom Allen got this job, right? That goes back to that generation. So it's it's not just these guys, but right. you have Taiwan Mullen, you have Devon Matthews, you have Jalen Williams, Noah mm. Pierre, Bryant Fitzgerald, Josh Sanguinetti. These are all players that have made plays. Right. The kinds of plays we're talking about. Yeah. For the kinds of defenses that we're talking about. And they're back. And right. by all accounts, they're healthy. Now, you yeah. know, we can get to we can get to Friday and two of them aren't dressed out, and then it, it turns out there has right. been some misdirection. And we get to October and some of them aren't dressed that's, out. That's true too, because a lot of the injuries, frankly, that, that piled up last year were injuries that started once the season started. I think yeah, Tywin exactly. Mullen may have come in banged up, but like Devon Matthews yeah, was, was a big game one, one there. Yeah, yeah, and missed some time. Anyway, we don't yeah. need to go through all that. But right. but but a big but I think a big point of last year is, is, is as they stand right now, they walk in with a, a, a lot of the pieces defensive state. and a lot of the pieces that would seem to underpin a really good Tom Allen yeah, defense. Exactly. Like and there were guys, like it, it, you know, Connolly's numbers break out havoc rate by, by level of defense. Mm-hmm. And he consistently, his best defenses, the, the, in terms of national ranking, the best havoc rate on the defense was in the secondary. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's, and it's, it's a huge deal. Um, but I think it, it's with the injuries last year too, it wasn't just a situation that, um, you know, the, the, the main top level guys went, went down. There were guys that we didn't see go down that just sort of disappeared. You know, like we never saw Lem Watley Neely didn't dress out all year. And this year, you know, they, they love him. He's, you know, lo- looks like a second string cornerback. Uh, Bryson Bonds was the guy that, got hurt we have no idea when we just started to see him come out and not be dressed um i don't know if he played a play last year um but sometime in practice or whatever something happened and he was out um you obviously saw josh sanguinetti and chris keys come in as backups and tear their ace i think they both tore acls um or it might have been sanguinetti might have had an ankle and it might have been um uh keys who had an acl but they came out got some time and it was yeah it, that's that's what it was yeah and uh you know jonathan haynes was a guy who had i think some ankle stuff in camp and never really got going I mean, they, they added him right before camp uh started last year from old miss and we never really saw him practically at all um so that's i think a, a real issue like you're, you're seeing you know th- they can put out their like three four waves of trustworthy safeties um, in the back that, you know, last year they were, they were digging if they lost any guys, um, you know, corner, I think they really like several guys past Jalen Williams and Taiwan Mullen. Um, I think the fact that Noah Pierre is a corner, you know, but has played corner and safety, 
um, helps you out at that Husky spot. You know, they don't, I don't think they even have to rotate in a third cornerback all that much um, where they can sort of trust him in coverage, basically. So I think there is there is there seems to be a lot more depth. Again, this is going into week one. It could be a totally different scenario by, by right. the beginning of October, you know, once they start playing games and they're still going to be practicing and going against scout and whatever. They can still hurt each other there. Um, but at this point, they're better off than they were last year. And there just seems to be more total bodies that they can trust. I think they also think um, some of the newbies um, they really like. Brylon Lanier they really like. Uh, and they also, I think I think there are um, there are true freshmen probably more than last year that I think back there that, that I think might be able to play immediately um, if they had to. You know, Jamari Sharp, they really like. Philip Dunham, they really like. James Mons, they really like. Those three guys I think are, are players that they've mentioned uh, on multiple occasions that I think that if they had to, they can throw them in there and, and trust those guys to play. I do want to kind of address the bigger picture, and and there is, there is one thing here. There's there's one piece of this season that keeps kind of rolling around in my mind. We've talked a lot about like how Indiana re- recovers. What's a successful season, and and what does it mean going forward for Indiana? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it it's fair to say that just like baseline, if Indiana got to a bowl game. After last year, right? That it's not like it—it's a magical fix for every problem in the world, but that—that's got to be good enough, right, for this fan base. That—that that is, you know, if 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 the the main criticism of the off season is this was just the same old Indiana, you got our hopes up, you told us to get excited, and then look what you did, right? If they come back <laughs> and go to a bowl this year, even if we're just talking like pinstripe bowl, certainly like Music City Bowl, like don't look a gift horse in the mouth, New Year's Eve in Nashville. Um, I mean that would be. Just I'm. 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 Huge. I am manifesting that into existence in my own mind someday. Um, when I'm awfully low. Mm. Um, but the in the wider picture, there is something else that I, I. It has grown harder and harder for me to escape, particularly watching Nebraska. Just sort of Nebraska its way through that game last weekend. Mm. Um. We don't know exactly what Indiana's schedule is going to look like next year. Right. Like we, we, there's a lot we don't know about what Indiana's schedule is going to look like next year. We're still waiting for the Big Ten to kind of you – know, we're going to get rid of divisions. Now they're going to keep them for one more year because of USC and UCLA, but we have no idea what the football schedule is going to look like in a year's time. Right. This is a team that, if it's going to be successful, in all likelihood, guys that have no more than two years left on the roster are going to be really important to it. Yeah. A Sean Shivers, a Matthew Bedford, mm, a, sure. a Luke Haggard, um, you know, a, a, a lot of the guys in that secondary, mm-hmm. a Cam Jones, a Demarcus Elliott. Yeah, um, it's hard to imagine Indiana even being like a, a competitive five and seven again without a large group of those players contributing pretty substantially. Now, it is worth saying as we've talked about in recruiting and things like that, Indiana has a very small number of overall upperclassmen or, or right. players that are in like sort of guaranteed to be in the last two years of their career, even with the COVID year if they want it. Right. But there are uh, there are guys who have been kind of players that Indiana has leaned on heavily at their positions for about three years now. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be either year three or year four. Right. And a lot of those guys aren't going to be available for very long. Right. Whatever happens, even if Indiana had, you know, if, 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 if everything came up Millhouse and Indiana went eight and four this year or something like that. Right. A lot of those guys are going to be gone. If not this winter, then next winter. Right. You need to answer the question. And some of this is just the natural evolution of a football program. 
who steps into their place. Right. And I think that there are a lot of intriguing young players at a lot of different positions, including quarterback, frankly. Dexter Williams clearly has people's attention. Um, yes. That, that you know, could be part of the next wave for Indiana. But you also don't get an infinite, an, an infinite amount of time to answer those questions if you're sure. a college football coach. Quietly, this season actually shapes up really well for Indiana, schedule-wise, at least insofar as what we know right now. Illinois is not going to be a walkover. Western Kentucky is always tricky. But, like, you've got Illinois, Idaho, Western Kentucky at home. You go to Cincinnati, then Nebraska. You could, like, you could absolutely afford to split those two. If you split those two, you'd be thrilled. Then you host Michigan. Then you host Maryland. Yeah. There's a path to being, like, five and two, maybe at worst four and three on October 15th. Yeah. I don't say at worst because there's obviously also a path to being worse than that, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes. It's not unreasonable to look, especially if Indiana can win on Friday. And I think we're going to learn a lot about Indiana very, very quickly on Friday night. Um, but it's, it's, it's not unreasonable to say Indiana could be four and three or five and two in the middle of October. Right. And then you're one win away with Rutgers, with Michigan state, with Purdue, all still in front of you. You're one win away from a bowl game. The point I'm sort of trying to make in this is you can't count on the schedule to always shape up this way. You don't play any of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, or Michigan State in your first five weeks. You only play one of those teams in your first eight weeks. Now, I'm not underestimating Maryland or Illinois or Rutgers or whoever, but like those are the teams that if you're going to recover this, if you're Indiana, you got to get back to beating. Right. And if you can't beat them, then you're not going to recover it, and this whole thing right. is academic. You can't necessarily like in 2019 part of what made that season was indiana had that four game run where they didn't play any of the big four in the east right and they feasted they went four and oh they were dominant in stretches in that they made plays in the in the tight games when they had to you're in this position where like i don't think indiana is going to fire tom allen after this season i want to be very very clear and i don't think right. they should regardless of what happens but between having this senior class that's got that learned behavior Mm -hmm. of success at the college level and having a schedule that at least on paper right now could totally allow you to be five and two on October 15th. Right. If you, if you can get a little luck with injuries, if Walt Bell was the right hire and if you just make, you know, if you, you make a couple of the right decisions along the margins, it just feels a little bit like you kind of need this season to be that recovery because you don't know that you want to go into next season when you don't know what the schedule looks like. Right thinking, boy, we just really need this to fall our way. Right. You don't know what the schedule looks like. And, and, and as you said, I mean, there's a lot of guys who looked very, look very talented on paper, especially as recruits. But you don't know if you're going to be able to play them this year, how much you're going to know about them, um, et cetera. You know, there's, this was a really, really good freshman class. Are those guys going to play or are they going to redshirt? You know, like all those things are things that you don't know. And I mean, they're just, again, just for this team in general, like we, we, you know, loaded up what the, the top half of, uh, you know, the schedule looks like. I mean, Owen four in November is likely. I yeah. I mean, so certainly at say. least Owen three. Yeah. In Penn state on the road or excuse me, Penn state at home, Ohio state, Michigan state on the road. Yeah. Like Owen three. And then, you know, the bucket game. I mean, listen, I, I, anything I, could happen in the bucket game, but. I do think I have. I, I will. This is the one thing I will say. I have a lot more questions about Purdue than a lot of people do. I, that's I, like you, fair. Like pro a program like that. Yeah. Loses. 
just elite two NFL two elite talents, big time talents, yeah. and guys that really, I mean, like made their sides of the ball. Like David Bell was so crucial, yes, to right. what Purdue wanted to do, and Karloft is possibly even more so, right? Because of how disruptive an elite pass rusher is, I, I have questions about Purdue. Yeah, I'll grant that. But, but one way or the other, it, I mean, th- that, I, that is the furthest game into the future. It is. You're right but, that at very least an 0-3 start to November is, yeah. is very possible. Yeah, and I just, like, this is not one of those ones where you circle Purdue and say, well, that's a game that you're going to get. Like I, I don't see that as being one of those those sorts of deals where you're you're saying, well, you know, you you can like hope, you know, hold on to hope of, of beating Purdue in late November. Like that that's going to be your like you know, um, you just you, you you want six wins. If if you, if you plan on being in a bowl game, you want six wins by November fifth. You want to make sure you have that because it's going to be really tough to get one in November. And then the you know the flip side is, and I feel like I say this a lot, but like. I think they're more likely to win one of those three games if they're already at six wins. If, yeah, you know, like if no, you can, for sure. If you can and host a Penn State team that I'm, I think is better than Indiana, but I'm still not really sure about. Like, right, exactly. I think it's there's not, maybe more holes in not that roster. Questionable, yeah. And exactly. you're already at six wins on November fifth, and you're sort of playing with house money at that point. Like right. you're just kind of allowed to be like, yeah, okay, yeah, you've you know, got a, you've got a crack at that at home. I mean, you're 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 not beating Ohio State in a thousand years, but you know, Michigan like, State's also another one where I get the ranking and they've earned it, but like. So much of that felt like it was Kenneth Walker last year, exactly. and now he's gone. Yeah, is, is are, are they going to be a top? Are they really going to be a top fifteen program? Like, I, you know, that, that's uh, yeah. I mean, like, again, better than maybe, Indiana. I'm not convinced they're top fifteen in the country. Right, exactly. They've still, earned, still tough to go there. Still tough to go there in the second half of November. You yeah, know, when it's freaking freezing out. And, and then, and the other part of it too, and we saw this during the COVID year, and it was kind of an extreme example. But we also saw it like during the. You know, if, if Indiana had played Northwestern in, like, late September, yeah. I don't know if they – there's a decent chance they win the game. Mm. But I don't think – I mean, th- by the time they played Northwestern, Northwestern was on the floor. They were, like, one and six in the conference or something right, like that. exactly. And that it was 20 degrees, and it sure. was a 7 o'clock start, and it was just – I'd never seen a team more interested in just getting back on the bus than right. Northwestern. And Indiana just sort of walked on them and then left – like, you know, the other thing about a team like uh, if in this optimal scenario where Indiana is six and two or or at worst, I guess, yeah, they'd, they'd have to be six and two coming out of the Rutgers game. Like, you never know if you walk in and like Penn State's all beat up or something. Right. Exactly. In the way Something's that Indiana was last year, you know, yeah. um, but it I mean, it, it yes, I, I'm I'm with you on that. And I, I want to end this way. And I feel like I end a lot of podcast like preseason IU football podcast this way. But. Sorry, I think I cut you off. Finish You're good. Your no, no, no. No, I wasn't. I didn't have anything else. Okay. Um, I do that too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's good. Um, but the way, the way I'll frame this is, do you think Indiana will be playing for bowl eligibility on November 26th when they host Purdue? No, I don't. Okay. They're going to have to sell me. I mean, like, I just, I like... It's possible, or, like, or you, better. You I mean, it this. sounds like you don't think it's or better, but it could. It could be no. they're six and five. No, but. I don't. I don't. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say right out of the gate that I, I don't. But they, I, I could totally change my tune by Saturday. I could look at this team and say, okay, well, all right, these guys are better than they said. You know, like it's just after two and ten, like I just cannot, I, I, I cannot go out on that limb because. We like now. You've seen a couple indie, good Indiana teams up close. You know, I obviously wasn't there for those. So like, I I I watched the 2020 team. You know, I watched the 2019 19 team from a distance. Made a made a point to keep an eye on those games, but didn't you know invest in them like as as you do as a beat writer in the sense of like 
caring about like being interested professionally in everything they're doing. I understand. So I know you yeah. weren't. I know you weren't accusing me of gambling on Indiana. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Believe me, I'm not that. Dumb. Yeah. Uh, nor am I. Uh, but bottom line, um, they don't like it. You know, I I just I need Friday to see that feels, they can beat Friday a Big Ten team. Really yeah. big. Yeah. Like just, Friday, like Illinois went five and seven last year, and at very least mm-hmm. they're not a dumpster fire. Like they didn't. Yeah, you know, they, they didn't have, open the season like beating Wyoming in overtime or something. They have an like all that. Big Ten caliber running back. Yeah. Not first team, probably, but all Big Ten caliber running back in yeah. Chase Brown. I and mean, he was really, really impressive on Saturday. It's like they've, they you know, and, and a quarterback who seems to manage it well enough, some decent pieces on defense. They are not a team that you can just walk over. And if Indiana goes, plays Illinois and gets slapped around. It's like okay, no, I, then I then I can't look down the schedule and say, well, there's definitely a Big Ten win there someplace. Can't even say that. So like they're gonna have like I mean maybe if they lose to Illinois by three and you're like, well, this fluky thing happened and that fluky thing happened and maybe that won't happen against Nebraska or it won't happen against Maryland or it won't happen against Rutgers and maybe you could say okay maybe they get a crack at it, but if they go in there and get, you know like and and you see that there is still a clear difference between Illinois and Indiana then yeah. Like then, then you're looking. Okay, man, this is gonna be a long one, and and it's just you presume a win over Idaho, Western Kentucky is not a lock. No, no, I mean I, no, I said I, that like it, it. Yeah, they played Austin P last weekend. They had a week zero game, and mm. I mean they they won thirty eight twenty seven, which feels like very Western Kentucky. Like they can't defend anybody, right? Um, but they'll probably have an yeah. edge rusher that can get to you and. They lost their offensive coordinator and a lot of the bones of their offense last year, and then they just went out and I think did the same thing over again with somebody from somewhere else. Yeah, because like last year it was they went and what was it Dallas Baptist, Houston they, Baptist, Houston Baptist, where they just got everybody to come up from Houston Baptist. Well, now everybody's gone either to the NFL or to transfer. I think most of them to follow the offensive coordinator that came from Houston Baptist, Texas Tech. Yeah, but like I think actually I think one of them, one of the receivers, I think wound up at Penn State. But anyway. Um, they do just. I mean, it, it, it's it's in Western Kentucky's DNA to know how to win these games. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. And to know how to be a problem. Now, yeah. you know it. It you're not. Gonna, they might not be as wild as they were last year, where there was just the the amount of tempo just drove Indiana absolutely insane. I mean, like the, the well, and that, that was I think maybe another another game where maybe like if if you if Tom Allen's sitting down with us I wonder if we say like Tom what are the games you have in mind when you think about your defense not being yeah because I remember just watching that game and thinking you know uh, the whole way through I sort of felt like Indiana was going to win and there were a couple moments where it seemed nervy but but it still just sort of felt like Indiana was going to be one step ahead of Western Kentucky the whole night but it was also one of the game a game where I thought Indiana's defense is built to stop offenses like this, like right, the, the whole point is this: the is, only guys that were playing really well that night were Micah McFadden and Taiwan Mullins. Yeah, it was it was basically like a it, this is basically a no huddle defense is yeah. what it is, and and that they looked so overwhelmed, it, it felt like something more systemic was wrong. I wouldn't have enunci- I wouldn't have been able to enunciate that then the way we can now, mm-hmm. but I wonder if that's one of the games that Tom Allen would look back on and say, well, that that's kind of. Right, that game should not have unfolded as it did if we had mm. been sticking to the principles I believe in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I will. I mean, I don't know if this is a limb or not. I just, I just generally think this is a five-win team. Um, I think they will be five and six going into the Purdue game. Um, I think all five of those wins will come in the first eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be five and three at a certain point, and then Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State will all go against them, and, and they will have to beat Purdue. But I think they will at least be five and six. I just think. I'm willing to put faith in the idea that 
you know, there's there's next to no one on this roster that has ever known anything resembling the same old Indiana. Right. That's and true. The, and I've, I've come back to this point a lot that the habits, you know, the, the practices, the mindset, all those things that like are really unquantifiable and, and fans and frankly media get tired of listening to coaches talk about, but they must matter. Like mm-hmm. they must mean something because coaches don't stop talking about them. Right. And coaches not just don't stop talking about them to the media, but to their own players and in yeah. recruiting and in development and all that, all that stuff should still be there. And I do think that, you know, it's a lot easier for, you know, kind of the, the, the hot air balloon to catch flames at Indiana than it is some other places. And so a down season at Indiana is two and 10 instead of five and seven or six and six. Right. But like, I still think that broadly speaking, I mean, I, I said this, I've said this a number of times from 2013 to 2020, Indiana failed to win at least five games one time. And that mm-hmm. was when they had quarterback injury problems and their backup quarterback was true freshman Xander Diamant, who just, I think even by his own admission, I think even Xander would tell you he was not ready for that at that time, understandably. Only twice in those two, in, in those, what's that, seven seasons? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, eight seasons. Only twice in those eight seasons did Indiana not at least go into the last day of the season with bowl eligibility on the line. And those were the first two of those eight seasons. So right. from 2015 to 2020, Indiana either went to a bowl game or went into the Purdue game five and six with an opportunity to qualify for one if it won the game. I, I just believe that – I don't think Indiana is some you know sleeping giant that, that just fell apart last season for circumstances beyond their control. I, I also am not convinced this is a bowl team, certainly not until I see more of its offense in particular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I am willing to, I am willing to. What is the word? Not put faith in because I don't care if they win or lose. But I am willing. Suspend disbelief. I am willing maybe. to respect the idea, mm. and and it, for the moment anyway, give them the benefit of the doubt on the idea that the habits, the the, the just the undercurrent sort of intangible traits that this group has, and a lot of it is still here. A lot of it is still Mm. in Bloomington together. Not all Mm. of it. Some players have moved on, but there are still, it's not like, it's not like all the guys that are left from those teams are, you know, were like backups and bit part guys. Right. Yeah. You've got some legitimate stars more on defense, but a couple that I think still could be very useful on offense. um, That remember what that took and what that required and how they went about that. Right. From the beginning of an offseason all the way through the end of the bucket game. And it seems like Indiana's approach to the offseason has been good, um, has has been productive, has been fruitful, has inspired confidence, whatever. Uh, Like I said, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that that those qualities still exist for the moment within this program. Mm -hmm. And that from Illinois, Idaho, Western Kentucky, Cincinnati – Nebraska, Michigan, Maryland. I mean, Michigan obviously being the outlier, but Maryland and Rutgers, Indiana can find five wins. Um, and then I'm also confident at this moment in time anyway that Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State are not winnable games, and therefore they will be five and six going into the bucket game. Do we – is your presumption that there are five unwinnable games on the schedule? What do you mean? Cincinnati, Michigan, Penn State. I don't Ohio. think – I, I mean – if we're going to say that we're like 
reserving judgment on Indiana, I'm reserving judgment on Cincinnati. That's too. fair. That's fair. Um, because you have a lot of faith in Luke Fickle as a coach, but they had something like ten guys drafted. Yeah. And programs like that, no matter how strong their 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 underpinnings are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're like still you, you don't about you don't just replace those are generational dudes at that program. Yeah. I mean, Sauce Gardner was a first round pick. Top, like, what do you go top ten? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean he was the first, was he the first corner taken? I'm not even joking when I say I think Desmond Ritter should be the Falcons' starting quarterback. Like, yeah, it's not. That, that's, that's not out of the question. That's the yeah. mm. that's the level of what they lost. Yeah, and I think they're going to beat Indiana on September 24th. But I need to see it first. Right, you need to see what they look like that's because fair. a lot mm. will have changed about that program. I don't think they can yeah. beat Michigan. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm intrigued by Penn State and Michigan State just because I I feel like those are programs that right now are are sort of just getting credit for who they are. Yeah, more so than like what they might be. Like Penn State, for example, is not ranked in the preseason, and I think that's right, and I think that says something because I think normally people would just sort of like, sure, Penn State, Throw them off. Yeah. quarterbacks back. You know, they're Penn State. Yeah, right. they look good. Write them in there at 19th or something. I wrote them at 25th. That's, that's kind of what that, I did. Yeah, but like you know, I say this a lot in basketball. 25th is not that high. No, it's not. Like in basketball terms, the twenty fifth ranked team in the country is a seventh seed. Yes, like that. That's what we're talking about. That's the level of faith you have in them in the preseason. Right. I would say there are one, two, three, four. Like I guess what I would say is in the aggregate there are five unwinnable games because I don't think they're going to win all of Nebraska, Cincinnati, and Rutgers on the road. Fair. So like yeah. I think that there are five flatly unwinnable games on the schedule right now, even though we, you know, there's a lot we don't know. You about. see seven and five is an absolute ceiling. Yeah, pro- probably. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to see eight and four. Yeah. Unless, I mean, th- that would require the absolute best case scenarios in, in so many yeah. cases, like Cincinnati there, not being good. For me to believe they can be eight and four, they got to go out and beat in Illinois by like 20. Like if, even if, even then if they I'm not, smash, even then I'm not I'm not fully buying. If they smash Illinois, I'll I think they like, could okay. be eight and four if they start four and zero. Oh. I don't think they're going to start four and zero. Oh. Right. But if they start four and zero oh, and beat Cincinnati on the road, yeah, yeah. Th- then I could be like, okay, maybe you can beat Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue. Right. Yeah. But no, I I think seven and five is is my hard ceiling. Mm. I'm not willing to say that I think they're going to a bowl game. I, like I said, I think they're probably a five win team, but I I do have a level of belief that they will be five and six. I mean, yeah. based on what we know now going into the bucket game. Right. I'm going to, I guess that's kind of where I am. I, I'm going to need to see them. They're, they're going to have to beat Illinois by two touchdowns for me to believe they're a bowl team. And I might, like I said, I might I just, totally I'm, I'm change. Sure I might like, totally I'm, change my opinion. I think I would Friday. need like four touchdowns. To be honest. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not trying to be mean, but like I, I would need, if we're just basing it all off the Illinois game, I would need them because Illinois went five and seven last season. Obviously, some things have changed, but mm. Indiana, when Indiana goes to bowls, and Indiana fans may like this, they may not. It's by feasting on these teams. It's yeah. by making sure that like the bottom six in the conference are firmly below them, right? Or the yeah. bottom fives, you know, five or six in the conference are firmly below them, and mm. therefore that you know their starting point is like eighth or ninth. Um, right. I think that. Like, I would need to see clear daylight between them and Illinois. And that's not two yeah. touchdowns for me. That's like three or four. That's like three, four scores. Fair. That's like 45 to 24 or 45 to 21. And showing they can bottle up an all Big Ten running back and, yeah. you know, showing that they can be physical with a Brett Bielema team. And I don't, it's obviously it's not the Brett Bielema Wisconsin, but you get mm. my point. Like, right. a team that wants to bully you, showing that they won't, you know, that they can handle that. 
tells me that maybe they can stand up to Cincinnati. They can stand up to Nebraska and all their vomits per practice. You know, that, that like they may not even, you know, yeah. maybe even like a Michigan, they're not a pushover. They can, they right. can give at, Michigan at a scare. Home, they can, they I did can a, make I, them nervous. I yeah. was on the radio the other day with, um, at Nicole, least for like a half, Nicole Auerbach and Jake Butt, who was the Michigan tight end yeah. in what, like 2014, 15, 16, that, Sounds that right. period. Yeah. And he was, you know, they were talking about sort of right how does Indiana mm-hmm. get it back? He said, you know, like the Indiana that, that I played, we beat them. But we knew they were good, right? And and like the, they were the sort of team that we would circle on the schedule and say it's not Ohio State, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, sure. it's not Penn State, but don't screw around, right? Because at very least, if you screw around, that's the sort of team that is going to make your Saturday really long and really difficult. Yeah, and exactly. like mm-hmm. you know, people probably don't remember, or maybe they do, I don't know, but like that's around the time that like Jim Harbaugh accused Indiana of being too physical, which mm. uh, to, to this day is is one of the weirder Big Ten feuds I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Michigan complaining that Indiana was too physical. Yeah. But like, you know, it it getting that back, like that that should be the goal for this season. Yeah. Is is you you are not the team that everybody knows we're only gonna have to play two and a half quarters. Right. They'll they're not our business. They'll be long gone. Right. You know, if, if talking about Illinois and probably up through Western Kentucky, because if you can't beat Idaho comfortably, then, then we all just need to go home. Yeah, like, exactly. then it's, <laughs> we, then it's, we, basket, we just not... then it's basketball season, and right. that's fine. Mm. But like, what I would need to see out of Indiana this weekend is like, yeah, like thirty-eight, seventeen, so yeah. something commanding, something like right, really impressive, and, and kind of a little bit of everything, like a good ga- a good game from a quarterback, a good game from a running game, a, a mm. defensive score, five sacks. Yeah, that kind of thing. If I'm going to sit here and say I think Indiana can go like seven and five, mm. but like I said, I am willing to put faith in the idea that this this roster has not forgotten how to win at a much more substantial level than what it did last year. Right. But the challenges are going to be great, and as we've said many many times this preseason, and this will be the last time we say it, you have got to make hay while the sun shines with the schedule. Yes, you do. You you can't be you cannot be anything in a very literal sense. You cannot be anything worse. Probably if you want to go to a bowl than five and three at the end of October. Yeah, that's four I mean, four and four. I guess leaves the door open, but like four and four. I to me four and four. You're done. Pro, I mean, to me, four, probably if, if, if again. You're four like, and we don't four know on what, October twenty second. You're not getting two wins. I've seen a of, bad Penn State team win at in, or lose at Indiana twice. True, um, but it's I, the only I, two times Indiana's ever, ever beaten Penn State. Yeah, but, you can't trust it. No, you, you, you can't, can't no. trust it. You can't presume that you can get two wins out of November. You're blessed if you get one, and you probably got to go into it presuming you can get zero. Yeah, um, let's leave it there. Yeah. This has been the final preseason Mind Your Banners for 2022 for the IU football season 2022. He's Dustin DePirac. I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with actual we'll football to talk about. We'll talk to you Friday about. and videos and stuff from an actual football no, game. No, that's true. We'll yeah, do that too. True. About You'll that. see us there. There you go. All right. Thanks, Take man. it easy, folks.